Hi everyone, I'm Riley Blanks, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty, a storytelling platform reimagining the everyday act of self-celebration for and by all women. This show brings you unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries who have developed personal success despite trauma and hardship by leaning into grit and discernment. We explore the messy interwoven realities of mental health, holistic wellness, intricate family dynamics, racial complexity, and the exceptional discoveries that lead to fulfillment. This is our pledge to the power of resilience and the impact of perspective. Jules Acri is a wellness writer, content creator, and certified yoga and mindfulness teacher. Her daily mission is to bring wellness down to earth and to help others simplify life to find more joy in this digital age. Through her journey, she's learned it's about the small shifts made consistently that add up to sustained change. She aids her readers and watchers with finding more ease and ditching the all or nothing mindset through incredible content that incentivizes you to live a more intentional lifestyle, one that motivates you to slow down, cut the clutter, and tune into your own channel. I don't have TikTok, but I Googled Jules' account on a desktop, yeah, I know, and got lost in a hole of joy. It's adorable, inspiring, entertaining, and educational, just like her Instagram. Go check out both accounts and follow her YouTube channel for extended nuggets of wisdom. All can be found at Ohm and the City. Jules, tell me, where were you born and how do you identify with that place? I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and I don't identify with that place. Um, I actually haven't spent much time in Louisville at all. Um, just except being born there. Um, but I grew up in northern Kentucky, which is about 20 minutes south of Cincinnati. And right after I graduated high school, I went away for college. So I went to Kent State near Cleveland. And then after I graduated college, I went straight off to New York. So I really didn't spend any of my adulthood in Kentucky. But my family, my immediate family is still there my mom, my dad, my brother. And I hope that one day they'll move to Texas. <laughs> Do you think that would happen anytime soon? It's so funny because I feel like there's some conversations where we have and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to do this. And then there's days where my dad is like, no way. I'm comfortable in my man cave. This is my spot. I'm not moving. So I think it just depends on if I have a baby one day, then maybe they want to come come closer. But I think they just don't really they know that I move around and I have no attachment. I think we've talked about this. I really don't feel like I identify. I don't feel loyal to any specific location because I always try to keep it an open mind and go with how I feel. And I, and I really believe that home is where the people are. And as long as I've got my dogs and my husband at this point, like I, I really feel like I could be happy living in most any, any, any place really, as long as it's not frigid cold. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think my dad fears moving to Texas and then I go move to Australia. Cause I've joked about that quite a lot, actually. <laughs> Why Australia? Um, because I'll look at a map and I'm like, where are the places that seem to have better health care, better government, and where are the places that are also warm most of the year? And that really limits my choices on the map <laughs> in terms of weather. I feel like Canada seems lovely, but um, I just couldn't handle the cold, unfortunately. I'm a baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I am so disappointed that it's cold up there. I went to Montreal a few years ago during the summer. It was during the African Jazz Festival, and I fell in love with the city. I actually cried when I had to leave. And oh. then I learned that 10 months out of the year, it's like 
you know, just it hurts. Like the the, the climate actually is painful. Yeah. Yeah. I was I so know. disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And I, so. I get seasonal depression. And so like, I need sunshine. Like I really, really, truly need it. And that was a big reason why I left New York. Like I needed more days of sunshine. So that's also a factor. Yeah. Do you feel close to your family? Do you have close I'm, ties to them? Yes, I'm I'm close to my family. We we have our differences and this year, you know, it's felt very it's felt more of like a a split between us in a way, but I I still I love them and we are close and I talk to my mom every day, sometimes multiple times a day and we just have a connection that I really can't explain. Um, and my dad, he, he loves me and my brother so much and I feel that and I, yeah, it's, I love them. They're my family. Yeah. How do you navigate the, the sort of split, like the difference in beliefs and ideologies? Um, it's, it's really tricky, um, because, you know, I, I know that like there's some things that my mom and I align on and I like to, when I, when I hear us have these conversations and I hear us aligning on something, I, I try to dive deeper into that and show how one thing that we're talking about might be actually interconnected to a whole other topic that maybe we seem to disagree on, but I believe they're connected. And so, yeah, I mean, we've had really, really interesting conversations this year, really tough conversations this year. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's, my mom listens to every podcast I'm on. So <laughs> there's always, Hey mom. <laughs> hey mom, love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just talking to you, um, yesterday and listening to you kind of reveal how you've decided to be really gentle with your relationships with your family and to maintain them and in doing that to maybe just avoid topics that don't bring you closer. I just thought that was so mature of you. And, you know, I think it's, it's really good for me to hear and to be reminded of. And um, I think that's a really big pain point um, across the board, like between people who are close and people who are not like, how do we navigate being human and being relational, which is what we are. Um, I mean, we're such a, communal like species and yet we're more divided than ever it's it's not natural you know and so I think it's really important um to kind of figure out how you want to like maintain and like foster your relationships and I just think it's like our duty to think about that and a lot of people don't so I really appreciate that you've you know intentionally kind of set those boundaries Yeah. You know, like I, I really do try to bring up topics, you know, with, with people that are close to me and like have these good conversations. And I like to talk to people who have different views than me because I really try to look at different angles of it. Cause I know sometimes I might feel like I'm in a bubble because a lot of the people that I hang out with have similar values and views as me. Um, so it is important for me to engage in conversations with people who have different views um, and I, I don't try to come at it as like, I'm going to change your mind. Like I'm right. You're wrong. Like, I don't want it to be such a, um, polarizing thing, but I, I understand like this year, there's just so many to a lot of us, there's so many issues that we believe are like, like, of course, like why, why wouldn't we want this? But we just, we're all so different and we have to embrace that in a way too, because, I mean, you can't choose your family, but your family is with you for life. And I love my family and I respect them. And I, I have to think of, you know, what's, what's at stake and what's worse, you know, between us, like, is it really going to serve us to continue having these conversations when I know like they're pretty set in what they want to do and with their beliefs. And I'm also pretty, um, I'd like to say I'm pretty set, you know, like I have my hardcore core beliefs that I don't really believe would be changing. Um, so at to at that point, it's like, do I just, you know, can it? Yeah. <laughs> and we try to move forward, you know? So it's it's tricky. I mean, this is kind of a broad question, but just to like tether and, you know, bring a little context, could could you say is there one belief that like comes to mind 
if you, if you think about sort of your stance on society and, uh, you know, justice and, and, and I mean, there's so many directions you go with this, with this answer, but what are you really passionate about? Would you say? Yeah. I mean, I just, I, it's, I have so many thoughts that come to my head. There's just, it almost feels like so far away from where we are currently and it, we just truly need a systemic change. Like we just need so much change. Like, I mean, we're learning now more than ever how uh, the environment intersects social justice and how everything is just interconnected. We are, we're so interconnected, like with the planet, with our bodies, with um, the people around us. And we can't be looking at things as singular issues. And like, I think the general, like the overall theme of this is, holistic and looking at life, looking at issues as holistically working together as a ecosystem. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many issues I could like point out, but I think like the general thing is like to remember that everything's interconnected and you can't have, you can't score a hundred in one area. If you're neglecting the other areas, you know, you have to find the balance and they all have to work together. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me because I feel like that's how you look at your own life, you know, and, um, you know, authenticity is a word that's just overused nowadays, but I, I do really believe now, you know, having followed you and met you and, and talked to you that you really live out your passion. Like you are, you are an example of intersectionality, you know? So, um, I'm really curious as to how you've, done that, you know, and I know it's, I'm sure it's a, for all of us, it's just a constant process, right? We're all evolving and changing, but, um, I'd love to really start with your mental health and to just kind of hear more about your journey. Um, you know, I know you've struggled with depression and you mentioned struggling with, um, with sad and, um, and so, you know, I, I think it's so neat to see your home and how bright and airy and, um, I don't even know. I don't know if cheerfuls is the word. It just, it may, it feels more like a container in which you can kind of function however you want, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so I'd love to know how you've gotten from, you know, dealing with those sort of hurdles to um, being able to kind of like carry them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, this all started, this journey all started because of the mental health struggles I was having um, I had an eating disorder and I had depression and anxiety, you know, depression, and anxiety, like to stick together um, for the most part that all started in high school and it followed me into college. And it was just one of those things where, you know, like I was struggling, but part of my coping mechanism was to write. And that's how I have always expressed myself, whether it was I've had many blogs in the day this Ohm in the City was not my first blog. I've had <laughs> lots of different outlets. I used to write on Tumblr, live journal, handwriting in my in my diaries. And I just that's just how I express myself. And it's how I would process what was going on. Um, but little did I know, you know, when you start sharing that with the Internet, you start to find other people who are like, oh, I've been there, too. I've experienced that, too. You're not alone in that. And then you start finding a community of like-minded people and realize that like mental health is something that a lot of people struggle with, but it just really wasn't talked about much. And so that's, that was kind of the um, birth of me wanting to start a wellness blog. Um, it was just me simply writing what I was going through and sharing that journey journey. But like, you wouldn't see that now because I feel like I've shifted away from that origin story. I feel like I've evolved so much and I don't, I'm not defined by the depression I had or the eating disorder that I had. I feel like I can, I'm now like 2.0, 3.0. Like I, at this point, that's not even, that's like my origin story, but it's not like where I connect myself to now in a sense. Um, so it feels good to truly feel like I've overcome that and I've grown from it and I've become way more empathetic, more open to uh, other people and their emotions and being able to like gauge that with people. I think that's actually a strength of mine. I feel like I'm really good at gauging the energy of those around me and, um, 
trying to like match that in a way. So it's been, yeah, it's been a learning process for me too. But I think that, you know, using your past struggles as more information and just something that you can use to gain better insight into your own needs. Uh, it's so important. Do you ever feel depressed or anxious now? And and if you do, what do you do in response? How do you yeah. kind of recover? It's so interesting. Um, obviously, I haven't like, I haven't had a diagnosis of like, being depressed, like long term or whatever this is, like, I feel like that was something I, I dealt with back then. However, I do feel like I tend to be more prone to depression, to depress, to depression feelings. I don't know if that's, if I'm saying that correctly, but I feel like things just affect me more deeply and I feel them more than say my husband, Andrew, who is just a um, really upbeat, positive guy and just like very laid, laid back, go with the flow. Like he, nothing really bothers him too much. Um, if someone says something rude, it doesn't really, he's like, oh, whatever. Like he's really good at just brushing things off. But like for me, I am a very sensitive person and I feel things really deeply. And I also, like I said, I can feel the energy in the room. And so sometimes if I'm with a friend who's feeling down, like I will, I will feel down with them and I will cry with them. Like, it's just one of those things that like, it just happens. <laughs> so to cope, one, I think is just acknowledging it and saying, you know, we don't have to be happy all the time. And I, I know like I, my page really is, seems like very joyful in a way, Like I do try to balance out and, and tell people like when that's not really always the case. Um, however, I do feel like it's not my first instinct to grab my phone and tell people when something bad's going on or if I'm in a certain mood. It's not usually my first instinct because I don't always believe that technology is the best place to go when we really should be going inward. So um, I just think people need to also remember that social media is such a tiny fraction of our full lives and no one is obligated to be let in on other people's emotions. Like it's really up to that person to be the gatekeeper of what they'll share and what they'll keep private into themselves. Um, but I do love when people are able to share with others, the hardships they're going through because the more we talk about it, the more people will realize like we really are not that different and everyone goes through these things. So I think it's, it's a balance, but um, I think when I feel those feelings, especially anxiety, that's something that I've, I just, it's just a thing that I have and I have anxiety and I deal with it and some days are better than others. But like, I think that ultimately I keep up with my mindfulness practice. I really set boundaries when it comes to uh, my technology usage and the clutter in my home, like my clutter, clutter in my home directly correlates to the anxiety that I feel. And that I came to that realization when I was a pack rat, someone who kept a lot of clutter and things. And so when we can dive more into that, but that was my whole realization to getting to the fact that I need to simplify my life. I need to simplify my space, my calendar, the way I manage the inbound and the outbound. And that's when I felt like, whoo, I have space to breathe and I'm in such a good place. Like I really, I mean, given 2020, yes, like that's, there's things, there's, there's lots of things going on, but I think I have the tools in my toolbox to be able to better respond to situations versus like react. And so what are those tools? Well, first and foremost, like it, it starts with your mindset, you know, like your mind is such a powerful thing. And, um, I have a regular meditation practice and that is what keeps me centered. Okay. Let me rephrase. It does not keep me centered because we're not always static. We're constantly changing, ebbing and flowing our emotions. But um, what I mean is like when I wake up, the first thing I think of is how do I feel today? How does my body feel? How does my heart feel? How does my head feel? And I take this mental and physical scan of how I'm feeling that day. And I think when we start to approach our day as a blank slate each and every day and not try to um, push ourselves into this like very stiff 
um, flow where it's like you have to do X, Y, and Z in this X, Y, and Z order, we have to approach each day with a new lens because we're not going to be waking up feeling the same amount of energy every day, the same, we're not going to have the same amount of focus each day. Our mental health may not be doing as well on some days. And like, we have to adjust how we approach that day, given those answers that we're receiving when we ask ourselves, how am I feeling today? So I really try to honor that and honor my needs based off the response that I get when I ask myself that in the morning. And so um, the very, a very easy, tangible thing you can, anyone can do, even though it seems really hard, is to not sleep with your phone on your bedstand. Because of course, if you sleep with your phone charging on your bedstand, you're going to reach for it. I would reach for it too if it's there. But if I charge it across the room, I physically can't reach for it unless I'm like, I'm going to go out of my way, get up, grab it, and then go back into bed. Some people might do that. But I really truly believe if you start charging your phone away from your bed, you're going to be able to start your day off on a better note. And one positive um, action is going to help lead to another positive action, something that's setting your day up for more success than letting it all just kind of crumble before you because the first thing you do is grab your phone and go on social media and start feeling bad about yourself because we've all been there. We've all done that and it doesn't feel good. So I think first and foremost, like your morning is kind of what dictates the tone for your day. Mm. And so instead of reaching for your phone, what do you do? I, so I sit in bed, I ask myself these questions and then I usually will, I have a a giant glass of water that I always have in my bed Mm -hmm drink my water. And then I go through my morning routine. And some mornings I have more time than others. Um, but I, I found that, especially through quarantine, I've, I learned that I really do need structure um, because I am naturally a free spirit. I like to do my own thing, go with the flow. I have like, I'm just really independent. And I just, I usually would object to the idea of being on like the schedule. Um, but I think there's a way to find structure and then flow within that structure that you build and create. Mm. And so like when quarantine happened and the studios and workout places, all that shut down, I, my routine kind of got scrambled and I was like, okay, how am I going to readjust? So I'm going to listen to my body and my body was telling me I need more sleep. And so I started sleeping in, I stopped setting my alarm um, I mean, I, I'm lucky to be able to like choose what time I'm going to start working, um, but I, I'm still an early riser. So for me, sleeping in, sleeping in is like 730. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before I used to wake up at like six o'clock and I'd go downtown, I'd do my spin class and then I'd go through my whole little morning and Andrew, my husband would still be in bed by the time I got back. And so it felt really nice to have that time for just me um, while him and the dogs were still asleep. But when quarantine happened, like it really just jumbled things for me. And so I experimented with not setting alarm and not really having much structure and letting my body and my mind just have some space. And that was good for a little bit. But after a while, I learned that it's actually making me depressed because now I have no structure. And now I don't know where my day is going to go. I don't know, you know, what's happening next. I'm not prepared. I'm not feeling like I'm being like I'm getting the right things done. So through that experience, I learned, okay, I do need structure. And so I'm back to setting my alarm, getting up, doing my morning routine, even if it's just like meditating outside. I really like to get outside first thing in the morning, get the sunlight into my eyes. It just helps Mm -hmm. you wake up. It's really good for your circadian rhythm, all that kind of stuff. Um, It doesn't have to be this 10 step long routine and it doesn't have to be the same every day. But if you write down the themes of, what makes you feel good, whether that's moving, looking, uh, turning inward, that could be journaling, that could be meditating. Um, if it's uh, you, you just want to be out in nature, you want to like feel your bare feet on the ground. Like there's just so many different things that you can do. And one of the best approaches I found is just make a list of those and then pick from it and like change it up and then see kind of what works for you. But I love sharing my morning routine because I feel like it's good to like look at what other people do and get inspiration because sometimes you don't think to do those things. I also love how you, you talked recently about your evening routine. And I was, I've been told that, um, 
I have to protect my morning and my night because those are the two times of day that I have the most control over. Because when you wake up first in the morning, you know, anything could happen, right? Of course, you might have, you know, deadlines or schedules or meetings or whatever, but you have choices. Like you can determine what direction you go because you've just woken up and nothing hopefully happened while you were sleeping, you know, like you were just asleep. And then of course, right before you go to bed, you're, you're winding down to fall back out of consciousness. So it was just really interesting to kind of frame it that way, that, that those are the, the times of day when, you know, like you can kind of take hold over your life, like just you, you know? Um, and I really liked that you, that you talked about the evening routine, because I feel like that oftentimes goes, um, unturned. Um, and I'd love if, if there's anything right now in your evening routine that you're kind of leaning on, that's bringing you joy. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe like your even your morning routine begins the night before because it's mm. how the sleep, the quality of sleep you get directly impacts how um, you're going to feel the next day. And so a lot of my evening rituals are just things that are going to help me get a better night of rest. Um, and so the first thing that I do, and I feel like um, has been really helpful for me, is just at the end of my work day, I just write out what I need to get done the next day. And I just take that extra 10 minutes to plan out my calendar so that I just feel like I know where to pick right back up the next day. And um, one of the best ways to be more efficient with your time and your schedule is to just be prepared and to like plan ahead. So it sounds like really simple and it is. So like, it's just one of those things you have to consistently like train yourself to do and then it becomes a habit. And so I always have like my little notebook here and I like handwrite my to-do list. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I know where I need to, I know what I need to do the next day. Great. And I'm going to walk out the door and I'm done with my office for the day. Um, but I think that the rest of what, how my night is spent, it really just depends. Like there's some nights where I stay up till 2am watching a Korean drama with Andrew. So like, I don't want people to believe that like every night is like so perfectly planned out and I have my stretches and I have my tea. Like, of course, <laughs> like I love doing that. Um, but I'm also human and there's things that I do that are just, you know, normal everyday things. But on the nights where I really, especially like if I have a really important week ahead and I need to be sharp and like in my element, then like I'm really going to prioritize my evening routine. I'm going to prioritize doing things that I know are going to promote a better night of sleep. And so for me, that equals limiting my technology usage. Um, In general, I try not to respond to emails after a certain point in the night because one, like, I need to set boundaries for myself so people don't start expecting that I will respond at that time. Um, that's something that I wish that I practiced when I worked in uh, my nine to five job. You know, like if you respond to emails at 10 p.m. at night, they're going to always expect you to respond to whatever question they have late at night. And so you're training like your coworkers to like, expect that behavior from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the and then the other thing is that like I we'll just schedule it if I, if I really wanted to, and I don't want to disrupt somebody else's night if they are maybe checking their phone. So that's kind of the approach I take with it. And so we can let go of that guilt of, Oh no, I need to get back to the person because if we all start setting our own boundaries then we can all start to manage those expectations with each other. So technology, I think is just such a big, such a big thing, um, setting boundaries with, and then, yeah. And I think they will, the rest of the night just kind of is up to you, you know, like you can read a book and that I, I get sleepy when I read a book at night. And so that's a great way for me to fall asleep. So I'm mm-hmm. good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. It's so weird how that happens. Like your eyes get like physically tired from scanning. Yeah. yeah I'm like one chapter. Oh my God. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> how do you manage all of this with social media? Um, I'd love to know, I mean, I feel like you've, you've defined mindfulness really well. And I do feel like it's, it can be hard to be mindful while utilizing social media. I mean, you're just, you're projecting and consuming in tandem and it's, it's overwhelming, right? Um, you're so present on social media. You do such a great job to, you know, um, kind of serve your audience, you know, and I know that takes a lot of energy. For me, I have a system going, I'm not always perfect at it, but I have a system going where 
if I'm posting something in the morning, then I will post it and then I'll be on my phone for the next like 20 minutes and I'll do what I can to respond to as many DMs as I can, um, comment back to people and engage with the community, support other people that I follow and just do what I can within like that 20 minute time block. Um, because like I, I am very grateful for like the community that I've built. And I, the last thing I want to do is neglect that and not, you know, respond and like and engage with them and answer their questions. But I will say like DMs can cause me anxiety. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's really hard to go in your DMs and not know what kind of message you're going to open. For the most part, like I feel very lucky. I have pretty kind people in my inbox, but sometimes you just get opinions that you didn't ask for, or, um, just, you know, people that are just rude, just to be rude, you know, or, and, and right. that can, that can cause some anxiety. And I just have to gauge, you know, how am I feeling? How's my mental health? And if it feels like answering DMs right now, isn't great, then I'll just, you know, just skip on by them and I won't answer for a while. But, um, I really, really do, love like the people that write me and they and they send so much encouragement and I love asking answering their questions and being able to be a resource for them um but I think it's also a balance you just have to find a way to set a time block and not let it be something because you could continue responding and talking to people all day long and then you're on your phone for for an hour and I just don't want I think my time is better served creating content that's going to live long on my site and my platforms for people to be able to access for free at any time versus me being in my DMs all day long. I don't feel like yeah. that is helpful. So um, yeah, there has to be some sort of boundary with that as well. This episode is in partnership with CamilleStyles.com, an online publication for everyone who aspires to a life well-lived. Every day, Camille Styles provides engaging storytelling and imagery to inspire the pursuit of your passions on the path to creating the best version of yourself. My series, Beyond Skin Deep on CamilleStyles.com, serves as a visual representation of Woke Beauty podcast features. The column showcases stories from creators, makers, and community shapers, female visionaries who seamlessly bridge holistic health, authentic inclusivity, conscious artistry, and a unique path to healing and restoration. The best stories are told across the spectrum. Here you hear her, there you see her. To read more and to see vivid photographs of our guests taken by yours truly, visit CamilleStyles.com. I feel like you have good organization, good boundaries, good structure around these different facets of your life. And I want to know how you do that literally within your home as well. I've seen your, um, I'm not on TikTok, but I think you made it a reel. It was like bins, bins, bins. Like you've been everywhere. I loved that. That's it. And That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? That's the answer? Okay. Should we yes. move on? <laughs> no, truly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so funny because you're like, it, that's such a literal, it's like, yeah, you literally compartmentalize, you know? Um but you told me yesterday something too that was um, was really beautifully put about how it's like a little bit at a time, and and so I'd love to hear more just about kind of your general philosophy around keeping your home, you know, kind of the same, right? Like you you make this beautiful space and you keep it beautiful, you know, and it's a valuable asset, you know, and so pouring into it is is really important, but you know, for those of us who are really busy or who struggle with mental health or, um, um, you know, runs the gamut who have kids or, or whatever, it can just feel so overwhelming. And for me, like personally, it can get to a point where there's so much that I'm like, I don't even know where to begin, you know, like, right. do I start with the desk or, um, the, you know, the couch that the dog just ripped up, like, which, you know, where do I begin? And so, your ideology, I think, would be really useful to hear. Totally. I So I definitely think it's a journey. It's one of those things that didn't just happen overnight. I used to be attached to everything. I would keep every single memento. I had a hard time letting go of anything. I just, I loved 
I attach so many memories and emotions to things. And so I think that was something that I really just had to stop doing <laughs> because I knew that it wasn't good for my mental health personally, because I get anxiety when I'm surrounded by a mess and clutter. And I'm not saying like your everyday regular living your life mess like that is normal. You know, our house is usually the cleanest on Monday, but the messiest by Friday. And that's just a normal human thing because you live there, you eat there, you're taking dishes out and that's just part of it. But I really believe that like the less stuff you have, the easier it is to put those things away and clean up quicker. So while my house does get messy and out of place, I feel like it's really quick to clean up because I know where everything goes. And if it doesn't have a home, then it maybe shouldn't even be in my home in the first place. I've slowed down my need to just purchase something on impulse. Like how many times in our life have we ordered something online and we totally forgot that we ordered it and it comes in the mail and we're like, when the heck did I buy that? You know, and and I tr I really needed to stop doing that. I was in New York City and living in a 500 square foot apartment and I was really getting started in the blogging industry and you know how I'm blogging, they just want to gift all these like things yeah. and you're, you're on these PR lists and somehow these companies have your address now and it's just like a nonstop you getting packages that you didn't even ask for. And that's when I was realizing, one, this is so wasteful. Two, I don't need any of this stuff. Three, I'm not getting paid for it. I'm just accepting their free product, but I'm not getting paid for like the work that I'm doing to create content on that. Um, and then also, it's just not great for my home space because like I have nowhere to put all of it. And it's overwhelming. And I just needed to stop all that. So I literally like close the gates and now I have canned responses when it comes to business. So, you know, I have canned responses that are like, um, I don't, I don't accept gifts, you know, unless it's something I truly like needing and seeking, or if we're entering a partnership that's more long-term, like I'm really uh, mindful of that. I don't, I don't need any more skincare. I don't need any more of that stuff. Like I have like the brands that I use and I want to use up what I have before trying anything else. So I've really like, set the boundaries on that. Um, but yeah, it's not an overnight process, it's, but but I do believe it's one of those things where you kind of just know, we're like, mm -mm, I can't, can't continue on like this. And then you have to make some sort of drastic shift mentally to, to start working towards um, being more intentional about what you're allowing into your home space. So long story short, there's many different approaches to starting the journey of decluttering and just being more mindful of what you're consuming. But I think you can, if you're an all or nothing person where you, where you feel best, just blocking out two days, uh, blocking out like your Saturday and Sunday and just overhauling the whole house, go for it that way. But if you also want to ease more into it, you can just put a uh, basket in each room, choose a room, and then just as you go about your week, drop things in that basket that you don't think you need and then sort through that basket later, deciding this is for donation, this is for uh, recycling, this is for trash and just kind of going through it room by room, space by space versus all at once. But, you know, some of us do well, just like I said, going all in and yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I I, I haven't thought about that. I, I know that like using baskets or bags is really helpful when you're doing the overhaul. But I love the idea of just like throughout the week, just kind of, oh, don't need that. Yeah, mm -hmm. don't need that either, you know, but making those decisions yeah. all at once, I think can be super daunting. Yeah, you know? because then you're able to like more easily access the things that you use on a daily basis, and it will cause you less stress, you won't have to spend so much time looking for that thing that's lost at the bottom of whatever right. corner of your closet, you know, like you just it makes your life easier. And so you have more brain space to be able to do other things. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, it feels really good now to be in a place where I, you know, I feel like I have a consistent, um, we do like consistent clean outs each quarter because we're humans, we're going to accumulate stuff that's normal. Um, but I think that once you clear through the initial clutter and then start to do more of like the upkeep and while also being mindful of 
you're purchasing and not just buying something because it's on sale, like you're having a better reason than like, oh, it's on sale. Maybe I should just get it. You know, being intentional about, do I really need this? Do I, can it serve many purposes? I'm like that with home uh, kitchen appliances. I feel like, so I have a family member who has three rice cookers and I'm like, what are you doing with three rice cookers? Those are big. Yeah. And for me, I have an instant pot because it cooks other things and it cooks rice. And so I think one good approach to eliminating clutter, especially in the kitchen, is just thinking of, you know, am I buying this item that only literally serves one purpose and it's going to take up this much space, but just to do this one thing? Or am I getting something that can do multiple things and be used in many different ways? And same thing with clothing. Like, are you going to wear, I mean, fashion's cool. You know, like you might have that one beautiful <laughs> dress that you're like, I love this dress. It has gorgeous print and it's not an everyday thing. I get that. That's totally fine. Um, but for most of my wardrobe, I try to buy things that, you know, can be mixed and matched in many different ways or more neutral color palettes or, um, but that's my style. Everyone has their own style and I don't, I'm not trying to dictate how people dress because fashion is fun and it's a way of expression. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that you're, you're gentle with that. I think, <laughs> I think I, I know you have capsules and I think what, like the essence of what you're saying is just to be more aware about how whatever it is you're buying will serve you in your life, you know? Exactly. And I think oftentimes we just see something we're like, oh, it's shiny or, oh, it's pretty or it's flowy or it's on sale or whatever. It's mine, you know? But yeah. we don't really think how it's going to function, you know? Like, will it actually serve a purpose? Oftentimes it it won't. There's there's no right or wrong one path to doing this. It's completely tailored to each individual person's life. Like you, we know individually what we value, what makes us happy, what makes us excited, what we want to see in our space, uh, what inspires us. To me, like, I don't I don't call myself a minimalist at all. It's really just about being more essential like what do I really need that's going to bring me joy like Marie Kondo says what sparks joy it's true like it's really true and for some people that might be art and bold colors and you know lots of plants and there's just everyone has their own style and I think it's just about checking in with how is this space making me feel like am I feeling calm in the space am I feeling creative am I feeling energized like whatever you want that goal that space to be I, you know, you want to match it with the way you're filling that space or, or not filling it. Cause I often think keeping space open is, is a good thing too. having more. Yeah. Um, I like to shop in my own home. Actually, one of the things that <laughs> I do is I keep space open, but I also know like, Oh, maybe I want to move that poof in this room instead. And I'm going to sit on it in here. And like, it's just kind of fun to just look around your own home, see what you have already and see how it can like be, changed up and put in a different room and then it feels new again because you're just like oh I just rearranged furniture like there's there's yeah. been weekends where I move my couch to the other side of the wall and I'm like yeah this works <laughs> and then two days later I'm like no I'm putting it back <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you can find newness in so many different ways that's a really good point um so I want to talk more about your business and like you as a working woman. Can you mm -hmm. describe what it is you do in your own words and what it is that you love about what you do? It's always so hard to, you know, introduce what you, what you do in like a beautiful seamless sentence. You know, they have classes for that and <laughs> I feel like we're always evolving. But for me, I consider myself a, wellness writer, entrepreneur. I am working on three different businesses right now. Um, but I think the overall theme of what I love to do is to bring more mindfulness and help people live more intentionally. And I, I believe, and I've been told from friends that I'm laid back down to earth kind of girl. And so my approach is like a down to earth view of well-being. And because I often feel like the industry can feel really intimidating and like it feels like it's only for a certain type of person that looks a certain way. And I really don't want it to feel that way because I feel like there's so many things that we can do on such an individual level in our own way. And there's so many voices out there telling us how 
what to buy, how to um, how to be, how to do this and how to do that, what to eat. But we are the experts of our own lives. And so I just I try to share the things that are working for me. But I always want to leave that open ended and tell people like, you know, you have to do your own research. You have to figure out what works for you and you have to play around with this. I'm giving you tools to add to your toolbox, but it's up to you to decide what's working and what's not. Um, so in a nutshell, <laughs> I feel like I can just open up a whole can of worms here, but in a nutshell, in a nutshell, I'm very passionate about intentional living. As far as um, like, you know, a lot, a lot of the people who um, are listening are small business owners or have brands or have dreams to start their own. And so I'm curious how you've been able to um, really curate this aesthetic, this message, this story that feels so clear. Um, it feels enlightened, you know? And and so I'm assuming you might have had that moment and you have those moments as you work, like, oh, yes, this resonates, you know? Um, how did you do that? What what did that take? I know that you have background in marketing and photojournalism and, you know, you've, you've been to college and you have a great family who's fostered you. But as far as you like inherently and also doing the work, how did you arrive to a place that um, is so clear? It's so interesting. Um, thank you for saying that's clear because there's definitely times where I'm like, I'm not clear how I don't feel like I'm expressing myself in the words that I want to be expressing myself in. So it really feels good to hear someone say that from the outside, you know? Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't even have an answer for that because I, I feel like it's a constant work in progress. And I try to just realign myself with what feels good and what resonates with me. And that could change year to year, like how, how I talk about my business or like the things that I am inspired to create content about. But, um, ultimately, yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, I'm, I'm a writer through and through. And so like, that's always been something that comes more naturally to me being able to write out what I'm doing, how I'm feeling and all those types of things. And I think I do have like a natural visual eye for uh, creating, but I also think it's just something that you get better with just by doing. And if, when you stop overthinking things and waiting for everything to be perfect, that's when the magic happens. Cause we can stop ourselves and talk ourselves out of doing so many things because we're just waiting for our ducks to be in a row. But I, I fully believe in just jumping and letting the parachute just kind of appear because like, you're never going to completely be ready for anything like you just got to go for it and see um, and stumble through and make mistakes and you know it's it's not going to be the end all be all uh if if you don't have like everything perfectly laid out on your website like it's it doesn't it's not that big of a deal in the long in the long uh long term look of things so i know yeah. a lot of people like wait to have like the perfect like brand name and perfect brand colors and words to say on their site. But I, I really just think the best thing to do is to get your message out there and the brand will be created around that. I don't feel like the brand comes first, like the message comes first, like the value you have and the story you have to tell comes first and that will all naturally um, build around you. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I feel the same way. I think that um, it's really easy to try to find where the landing place will be before you leap. And the thing is, like, we should know this more than ever now with this year. We have no idea what's coming. And so we can only focus on, you know, how we're feeling and how we're thinking, how we're envisioning right now. And, um, and, and to that degree, I think oftentimes we confuse faith and confidence. You know, I think we think that we have to be confident in order to do something. But yeah. oftentimes confidence comes from experience. And so right. if you really want to get to that place, you have to have faith in something that you can't see at all, something that you have no idea how it's going to turn out, you know. And I think that is um, – I think that is essentially like resilience is, is having that faith in yourself. You know, my, I was talking to my dad earlier today as I've just been feeling so overwhelmed and overworked and burnout. And we were talking on the phone and he was like, 
you know, you are your most important asset. You know that, right? You are the most important asset. You have to pour into the most important asset. You have to pour into yourself, you know? And, you know, and so, and I think when it comes to faith and when it comes to what you're talking about, that's what it is. You have to really trust yourself and you have to believe that you're going to make it work no matter what comes your way, you know? So. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. How, Faith and confidence are different things. And yes, just all of that. (laughs) Put it up on a billboard. Before we kind of start to wrap up, I just want to ask you about your grandparents. Speaking of family, going back to that, we kind of started there and I want to end there. Um, You talked about your grandparents and it was such a, it was just, it was so deep and sweet and intense. And, um, and so I just want to hear more about your relation to them and, and what they mean to you. Um, so my the grandparents I was speaking about yesterday is my Hanmani and Harbuji, and they're my grandparents on my mom's side. I'm very close to uh, my Korean side of the family, and my some of my best memories growing up were when we were all together. I have 12 cousins, that's including me and my brother. We have many cousins, and we're all not that far apart in age, and I just remember growing up thinking, like, I want to live in Texas and be with all my family all the time. My grandma, my grandpa, my cousins, my aunts, uncles. I just loved them so much. Um, and so when I finally moved to Austin and got to see my Hanmani and Harabaji more, it was really wonderful. Um, but now, yeah, so they actually, they both passed away last year um, within 36 hours of each other. And it was really hard for the last few months of their life because, you know, we had a lot of us had to like go back and forth and they're really, their condition was just like worsening and um, it was really hard to see, but they are both such incredible people. My grandpa lived in, was born in North Korea and he, um, he escaped as a kid and crossed the 38th parallel and made his way to South Korea. And um, my my Harabaji and my Hanmani both went to UT in Austin, and they had a big family. They had six kids, and yeah, they they lived an amazing life. And um, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where I feel like I I feel like I didn't dive deep enough into my Korean side until I was older or I would be selective with who I'd be showing more of that to. Cause I know when I went to visit Korea, all I wanted was to be fully Asian. <laughs> and I felt actually like an outsider because I was the only one who was also like half white. And that was hard in that scenario. But then mostly in school, I just, wanted to be white or I just never felt like I was enough of either in a way. And it it kind of has an identity crisis in itself and had it led to me kind of just pushing away the fact that I did have Korean roots. And I really wish I would have dove more into it and had better conversations on culture with my grandparents while they are still alive. But I have my mother who is also I think she, I mean, we, but we're all, all missing, we're missing them so much and yeah. I know that she's really missing them. So we've, we both, my mom and I have bonded so much over Korean dramas this year. Cause I think it's just like our outlet for this dumpster fire of a year, but for both of us to just like have these conversations about, you know, the Korean dramas and how it reminds us of, you know, when she was growing up, how her mom was to her. And I, there's just so many funny things about <laughs> Korean culture where you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds like something <laughs> I'm familiar with. And that's why you're like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so it's been a it's been a it's been a good time connecting with my mom over that. I really, really have enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm sorry about you know, your loss, but I also am grateful that you care so much. And Mm -hmm. I think that in a way you are, 
you know, claiming and reclaiming that part of you through homebodies. And, um, you know, I just am kind of sharing, like seeing, you know, the matcha bowl that you showed me yesterday that you've, you know, acquired and how you kind of use that as inspiration. And, and so maybe in a way they're kind of living through some of the work that you're doing, you know, and, and so, I don't know. There, there's something there that maybe wouldn't have happened, you know, if you didn't have the realization. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Do you have a, a most gifted, most recommended book or podcast or film um, that you want to share? I, I mean, my favorite, the book that I feel like I continue to come back to is Essentialism by Greg McKeown. And I think it's a really short read with really great themes that you can apply to your life and and mold and just kind of just like adapt to what feels right for you and your lifestyle. But yeah, there's so many like nuggets in there on boundary setting and all of that, that I feel like it's something that I've kept with me, especially as, as a business owner. Um, my friend Robin Conley Downs, she just launched her new book, The Feel Good Effect, and she's all about uh, all about feel good wellness, attainable wellness, um, ditching the all or nothing. A lot of the same themes that I believe in, and she's a good friend of mine. So, shameless plug, go buy her book. <laughs> <laughs> we love this. <laughs> Essentialism keep, keeps coming up. I need to read that. It's it's one of you those can, books like you keep hearing it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it you can borrow my book. It's it's a great one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, keep one less thing out of the house, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you could talk to younger Jules, Jules Jules 10 years ago. You could like <sighs> you're she's sitting next to you, you know, you guys are having a matcha together. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Jules, I don't know what to do. What do I do?" If you give her one piece of advice, what would you tell her? I would tell her to just trust the process and enjoy (laughs) because I feel like so much of my past was me looking forward and wanting to know what's coming up and how can I be prepared for that? How can I learn more about that? How can I reach that? And moving to Austin really taught me that I don't always need to know what's happening next, but I can like settle more into the moments of, of, of like calm and peace and just knowing that everything will be fine. It is a privilege to say that though. I will say that is coming from a place of privilege, but I do believe that I could have enjoyed certain, certain areas of my life a little bit more had I not been so worried about what was next and to actually let those good moments really sink in Um, because, you know, there's so many times where there's so many times where you, when it rains, it pours. And what I mean by that is you really, when something bad happens, you like really feel those so much deeper and it might feel like it's just like one thing after the next. But if you were to like write down in a notebook, all the other great things that happen, are we not giving as much weight to those as well? Cause I feel like sometimes this bad thing can completely just like shit on the rest of it. And I'm like, everything's horrible. And then I forget that like, Oh wait, yesterday was actually a great day. And like, I really should like remember that and not just, just, just forget that that ever happened. So I wish that I could have um, just trusted, trusted things more, trusted myself more, leaned into those, those good moments and, yeah, just keep on moving forward. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jules. I appreciate you and your beauty and impact on the world, on your environment. I really believe that the environment that you cultivate in the home, in your business, in your life, it has a ripple effect. And so like even even though the people in, I don't know, Minnesota have never met you, there's somehow reaping effect from how you live <laughs> your life. You know, I think energetically, um, that that counts. And I think that we have a duty to each other to take care of ourselves individually, our families, our communities, and so forth. So thanks for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely chatting with you. That was wellness writer, content creator, mindfulness teacher, matcha drinker, outfit repeater, and professional homebody, Jules Agri. 
You can find Jules on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Om and the City. That's O M A N D T H E C I T Y. And on the web at omandthecity.com. You can also shop her beautiful online store, The Homebodies, at thehomebodies.co. Jules lives in her lovely, bright, light filled home with her husband, Andrew, and her two rescue pups, Luna and Clover. To read more about Jules' story and to see how she glows, visit CamilleStyles.com. Thank you so much for joining us. You can connect with us on Instagram at WokeBeauty or me at Riley Blanks and learn more at WokeBeauty.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Until next time, have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful. Beautiful.